Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Well, we're starting a new series today, and it's entitled When God Calls You Out. This is not just for people who think they've been called to ministry. It's not for people who think they've just been called to sing. It's not for people who think they've been called to to lead a certain uh, ministry. God calls each of us uniquely at a certain time and gifts us with certain gifts to do a certain task. But that's not the calling out I'm going to be talking about over the next five weeks. God has called each and every one of us who proclaims to be a Christian to do certain key things as Christians. There are certain things each of us is called to do. It's it's non-negotiable. It is a requirement. And I think that as I look at the media and as I read social media and I see people, you know, we have thousands of friends and we're all friends until we don't agree. Amen. We're all cool until we don't agree. We're all cool when when, you know, it's, it's all right until we start talking about politics. It's, it's all right until we start talking about race. And, and as I look at this, I say, wow, we have all of these friends and on, on, they're Christian and I'm Christian. But we let the world separate us. We let politics, which is the world, separate us. We let we let uh, who my favorite team versus your favorite team separate us. We let stuff that's not going to get us into heaven separate us. And I feel that it's necessary to remind people of some five core values that we'll talk about over the next five weeks that every Christian is called to live out every single day of their walk. Today, my focus will be on how God calls us to care. If you are a Christian here, and I don't want to put anybody on blast because somebody may not, I don't know. But if you are a Christian, just raise your hand. No judgment if you don't know. Amen. That's everybody, for the record. Everybody here has claimed to be a Christian. And because of that, we are called, number one this, this week, is to care. It should be a concern when we see social injustice. Although social injustice is not terminology used in the Bible, but there are uh, injustices that occurred where Jesus was one of the first responders. He responded to oppressed people. He responded to people who were so-called forgotten about. He responded to people who were less than in the eyes of those who were, quote-unquote, privileged. In my eyes, that would be considered modern-day social injustice. And Jesus was a first responder to that. And he called us all to do that. The scripture that I'm going to use today to illustrate that will come from the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. If you have your notes, it's there. Uh, You may read along with me. The words say this. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. Let me stop real quick just so you know what the glorious throne is. That glorious throne that he's referencing 
is the throne of judgment. That's the seat of judgment. So when the Son of Man is seated in the seat of judgment, all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. The king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. And then the king will turn to those on the left side and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. I just want to offer to you and suggest to you and just share with you. Oftentimes we read this, our first thought is homeless people. Oftentimes when we read this, this is a great precursor for a great mission trip to an impoverished nation. But I want to suggest and offer to you and tell you that, no, that means right here in your own community. That means right next door when your neighbor may be hungry. That means when your friend, your kid's friends come over to eat and you say, we're having dinner now, you have to go home. It applies even to that. When you send the kids away, when they're hanging with your friends and, oh, we don't have enough food, you got to go on. Call your mama and send them home. When I was growing up, I remember playing and hanging out with my friends, and we'd ride our bikes all day until the sun went down and before the streetlight came on, and we'd be having a jolly old time, a good old time, and then it was dinner time. Either my grandma would call me in or my friend's mother would call him in, and, 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 and it was never an issue of having dinner at our house. No one was ever sent away. In other words, if I'm eating, you're eating. And it was the same thing. If I went to his house and there was supper on the table, it may not have been a lot. And for the record, I grew up in the projects in a very poor area. But we made it stretch. Sometimes we had spaghetti without meat. My grandmother called it poor man soup. I'm just telling the truth. If it, it was just tomato, a can of tomatoes and some noodles, and it was poor man soup with a nice old pan of cornbread, but that was a good meal. And my friends loved it. And then there was this other thing they came up with called goulash. And, and I looked up goulash, and the way we made it in the hood is nothing like what I saw when I looked it up. We just created something. We was like, we're going to call this goulash. 
But goulash was always in abundance in the projects with grape Kool-Aid. And if there was no cornbread, they'd grip out some Wonder Bread and slap some butter on it, and it was great. We didn't know that there was a such thing as French bread. We only knew Wonder Bread with butter. But the moral of the story is they shared selflessly. The funny thing is we got more now in the world than we've ever had in our lives, and we're stingy. We're greedy. We don't want to give you a crumb from our bag of potato chips, a quarter bag of potato chips at that. We don't want to give you nothing. We'll sit up there with a, uh, a we'll, we'll supersize a whole value meal and won't share a fry with you. Not even the little ones that's hard on the end. Huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about? We're greedy. And if I read this, I'm saying, man, a bunch of us going to hell, maybe even me, because I've been greedy. Because I've thought about the needs of myself and my family first. Instead of thinking of others. How many times have I gone by somebody that was hungry and I knew they were hungry and I didn't offer them a meal? How many times have I looked at a homeless brother that may have said, hey man, I just want something to eat. And then I say, well, hey, let's go over here and get something to eat. Let's go over here to Burger King or something to eat. And he said, no, I don't want it. And the first thing in my mind is, oh, he wanted the money for drugs. Perhaps he has some dietary restrictions. Never, ever considered that. My assumption was he's homeless. He don't want Burger King. He wants the money and go get drugs. He may literally have some dietary restrictions where he can't eat that. Just because he's homeless don't mean he's helpless. Just because he's homeless don't mean he don't have health issues. He may have diabetes and can't eat that stuff with all of that sodium and things in it. I never, ever considered that. But when I read this, I said, how many times has I tur- have I turned down somebody that was in need because I made an assumption that they were misusing the money that I would give them? How many times? It done got quiet in here because I know I'm not the only one. It done got quiet in here. That's all right. I'm going to preach to myself today. Y'all can just be observers. As Christians... We are called to care. If you're taking notes, as Christians, we are called to care. It's a mandate. You are required to do it. If you do not do it, you don't go to the next level. Y'all played video games and board games. You understand? You have to do a certain task before you can move on. It's the same thing. If we don't care, we are not promoted. You stay put. Do not pass. Go and collect $200. You don't do it. As a Christian, we are called to care. I want to offer this as well if you're taking notes. To say you care but not act is not to care at all. To say you care. Oh, I care. I'm a Christian. I care about the little, my neighbor and and, and their needs. I I care about the poor, the little poor people in the hood. I I, I care about so-and-so. I care. But you don't do a doggone thing about it. You don't care. You're giving lip service. And you're making the rest of us people who do care look bad because you're walking around with this big C on your chest, Christian. You got the what would Jesus do bracelets on. You got every color and invented some. You got the bumper sticker and all of that. But you driving by your homeless brother. You walking in the store, you coming out with a a bunch of goodies and you didn't even offer the brother a glass or a, a bottle of water. Come on now. I'm going to preach to myself. I'm not the only one. To authentically care, you must have this big C word called compassion. 
to authentically care about someone, you must have compassion. Jesus had great compassion. Let me share with you what compassion means. Compassion, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, it's a sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress, meaning you are aware that somebody else is stressed, but you are burdened with this desire within you to do something about it. In other words, I see you have a need. Man, if I don't do something about it, I'm afraid it won't get met. It's that burning desire to do that. True compassion demands action. True compassion demands action. I want to give you all a little something, give you a little bit of Greek to go with. The Greek word for compassion, specifically when we speak of the compassion that Christ had in the New Testament, this, the Greek word, every time they mention compassion in Christ, this word is the one word that, 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 that they identify with, with the compassion that he had for people. Here's the word. It's in your notes, actually. I shared it with you today. It's called splachnitzomai. Splachnitzomai. The Greek word for compassion. But what does it mean, Pastor B? It means, and don't, don't start oohing and on. Y'all are adults. Don't be kids here. Ready? Here we go. It means to have the bowels yearn, feel deep sympathy. Here's, here's my part. To be moved to action. When we think of bowels, all we think of is the number two. Let's be honest, right? But that's where that deep burden should hit you right there to make you want to move. When you have a tummy ache, you move, right? When your bowels are getting ready to do something, you move. That's the same type of compassion they're talking about. This compassion moves you to action, to do something, not just be an onlooker or, or, or a critical observer. Many of us are critical observers. We always have great ideas, but don't do nothing about it. This should move you. This word that they use to identify compassion, when, whenever, they, whenever they mention it in the Bible that Jesus had compassion, this is the word that describes the compassion he has. He was moved to action. The bowels back in the day were considered to be the seat for love and pity. The bowels were considered to be the seat of love and pity. In other words, if you saw something that bothered you and it moved your stomach, it made you feel sick, it made you feel anxious, it felt, made you feel some kind of anxiety that was here in your bowels, that was the seat for love and pity. That means you are feeling extreme love for somebody and you're pitying the situation that they're in and it moves you to actually be a first responder. I have some examples of that if you are taking notes. In Matthew 14 and 14, it says this. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion. He has splachnitzomai that moved him. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 14, 14. He had compassion. He got off the boat. He saw them. He, it moved him to heal them. But if we read on just a little bit further, he not only healed them, he fed them. And this first group of people he fed, over 5,000 were Jewish. 
He fed them. He had compassion. He didn't look and say, look at these poor people. They're sick. I hope somebody comes and heals them. Look at these poor people. They're hungry. I hope somebody comes by and drops them a cracker or something. No, he said, look at these people. Oh, my God. He just started walking through the place, laying hands on folk, healing them. He didn't sit there and think about a plan. He didn't sit there and say, we need to form a committee. He didn't sit there and say, we need to have a meeting after meeting after meeting. No, he got off the boat and said, oh, my goodness, if I don't do something, something won't be done. This is the same compassion we should have when we see social injustice. This is the same compassion we should have when we see our neighbors suffering in any way. Not just lack of food, but hurting Not just lack of anything, but when they need companionship. Do you know the devil loves it when you are lonely? Because that's a perfect time for him to sit next to you and begin to whisper sweet nothings in your ear. And you begin to believe what he says. And he's got that Barry White happening too. Hey, you know, being lonely, you ought to go get you a companion. I know you don't need marriage. Just do what you do. Remember in the Bible, God does forgive you. And you'd be like, you know what? That is right. And we make these poor decisions. Or you're sitting home alone and all of a sudden you see a commercial and you know you got the rent is due. But you see this commercial of something you just absolutely need to have. There's a special going on and you got to get this new phone. It's like, I need to have it. It's a good deal. That deal ain't going to never come. And the devil's like, well, you can do it. You just got to pay on something else. Pay on something. How many of us are paying on something and not paying it off? Yeah. Oh, I'm the only one with my hand up. Come on, y'all liars. You lying folk. I'm not the only one paying on something. Here's another example. Matthew 15, 32 says this. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry, compassion again, for these people. This is the second time he's done this, right? This is the second time he's doing this. Then Jesus called his disciples and said, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days. They've been here with him for three days. He's dropping knowledge and wisdom, and they're feeling good about themselves. He's healing folk. I mean, he's going in. I mean, they're having a revival like there's never been one before. He's going in for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. Then he says, I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the way. That's Matthew 15, 32. Dig this. The other verse that I just shared, Matthew 14, 14, he fed 5,000. They were all Jews. This is a whole other group of people. Guess what? They were Gentiles. Yeah, the ones that the Pharisees and Sadducees ignored, the ones that everybody else said wasn't worth a doggone penny, not worth the poo-poo on the bottom of my shoe. Jesus is like, feed these folk after I heal them because they've been with me for three days. I have great compassion. Take care of these people. Jesus, the Jew. The Messiah took care of them. I want to suggest to you compassion doesn't just start and stop with the people that look and act like you. Compassion doesn't just start with the people that are closest to you. I got to take care of my family. No, no, no. You got to go outside of that. You need to take care of somebody else's family too. You need to take care of somebody else's kids. 
You need to take care of your neighbor, your neighbor's neighbor. See, that's the only way they know we're really Christian. Not because of the big C that we wear on our chest or the what would Jesus do wristbands and the fish on the back of our car. Not because we blast in 102.5 or the fish. No, 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 no. It's the compassion that they see in what we do. I love it when somebody sees me do something and they say, oh, you must be a Christian. And I, and I don't have to say, how did you know? Because I know what I'm doing. I'm representing Christ. As a Christian, you represent Team Jesus. And as a representative of Team Jesus, my actions need to look a whole lot like his because he is my trainer. He is my coach. He showed me how to do it. So now all I have to do is follow the instructions. I don't have to walk around saying, hey, I'm a pastor. I'm a Christian. You should be able to see it in everything that I do. Every time I go into Midtown and I decide to pay for that very expensive gas, I don't know why it's always more expensive in the hood for gas. Somebody explain that to me. I, don't, I just don't get it. It'd be like 20, 30 cents more. But every time I do because I'm that low on gas and I wasn't responsible enough to fill up in the suburbs where it's much cheaper, I'll go into a store. And nine times out of ten, there's a homeless brother outside. And it's hot. What do you think I do? I just walk by. First thing I do, I greet him. Hey, brother, how you doing? I'll be right back. You going to be here? And I give him a bottle of water. We don't have to have a conversation. If he's been, it's common sense. If you've been sitting in the sun for five minutes, I know you're thirsty. You don't have a bottle in your hand already, so let me put one in there. Drink this water. Don't ask me no questions. You don't, I'm, you don't even know, you don't have to know I'm a pastor or, or a Christian. My hope is that he sees that and say, he must be Christian. He's not going to say I'm a Buddhist, right? Because you can look and tell if I'm a Buddhist, right? He's not going to say I'm Muslim. You can look and see that. But what feature of a Christian can you see to tell if I'm a Christian? None. All I have to show you is my actions. My actions will show you who I represent, what team I play for, if I'm on the starting lineup. Let me share with you real quick the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're going to wrap this up here soon. You'll find the story of the Good Samaritan in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 29 through uh, 37. And I'll read some of it with you. Before I do that, let me tell you a little bit about it. What happens is this is where Jesus was being tripped up by one of these wise Pharisees and stuff, and they're asking him, what is the greatest commandment, oh, 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 rabbi? What is, you know, they're trying to be wise and all snack, you know, just trying to be all up, you know, hey, we're smarter than you, Mr. Jesus, right? And so here he's straightening them out. So he's asking, you know, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus, you know, so he asked him to justify who, who is my neighbor because Jesus just told him, you know, the greatest commandment is to, to love your neighbor as yourself and all of this stuff. And so the wise guy's like, well, who is my neighbor? Aha, gotcha. And so Jesus says this. As the man tried to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, Jesus replied with a story. I love Jesus. Jesus is like, cool. He's like, let me tell you a story, homeboy. I mean, we ain't going to get all into that. You just figure it out after I tell you this story. And the story goes like this, Mr. Wise Guy. A Jewish man was traveling with, from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and let him, uh, left him half dead beside the road. Just by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. Clearly, he didn't want no parts of helping that brother out. 
A temple assistant walked over and looked at the man lying there, but he also passed him on the other side. As I read that, I was just like, I'm just imagining this dude's beat up, bloody on the ground, and here's this guy who could do make a change. He just walked by like, went on by his way. Brother man's laying there. How many, how many times we read the news and something like that happens where somebody's been laying there dead forever and nobody even bothers to nudge him and say, hey, you all right? Oh, my goodness. I've read story after story after story after story about that. Let me continue this. So he looked at him and passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. I got to stop there again because I got to open that up. It's a little bit deep. They could have just said a Samaritan. We already know Samaritans weren't liked back then, right? We already know that they were like the scum of the earth in the eyes of the Pharisees and Sadducees and these, you know, well-to-do well Jews, right? But why did they throw? I had to stop there and research it. Why throw the despised thing in there? He wanted to make it even juicier than it is. We already know it's a Samaritan, but it's a Samaritan that even other Samaritans don't like. It's like somebody that's like, oh, I can't stand. He's a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan, but I don't like him. He's despised. Jesus wanted to add some more satire to it, just like make it like really juicy. A despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt what? Compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil. Back in the day, olive oil was expensive. If you had olive oil, you had the good stuff. Okay? With olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. And this is Jesus. Man, I love Jesus. Jesus was deep, man. He says, now, Mr. Smart, wise guy, know it all, something, something, something. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who attacked the bandits? The wise guy with the egg on his face says this, uh, the one who showed mercy? Jesus was like, yes. Now, you go and do the same. Whoa! That was like the exclamation point. I'm like, dang, you talk about somebody, put them in their place. The parable is just a story. But Jesus used that story to illustrate how we should have the same type of compassion. Let me offer three things that compassion does. Number one, compassion, true compassion, it inconveniences. True compassion, it inconveniences. In other words, you have to get outside of your comfort zone to really live out true compassion. You can't just sit on your couch and go to your PayPal account and say, I'm just going to send some money. How convenient was that? No, you got to get off of your tail. Matter of fact, if you're going to do that, give more than you can handle. Give above and beyond. It's like, oh, I can, you look at you, because all y'all, you know, we all do the same thing. We're going to give something. First thing we do, let me check the account first to see what I can give. I dare you not to check your account and just say, just let that gut, whatever your gut says. If 50 pop in your mind and you ain't got it, just uh, 50. Then look at your account and be like, ooh, God, you told me to give it. I felt it in my gut. Because <laughs> the crazy thing is, God will double that. I'm a witness. I'm not even halfway joking about that. I'm a real witness. I've given, but, and I've just been burdened some time to just give way beyond my means. And I'm saying, well, it's, you know, it's okay. I guess I'll give beyond my means because I'm not going out buying beyond my means. 
I'm not going out there getting like a the new 52-inch uh, Sony TV with the whatever, whatever. I don't even know because I know I ain't nowhere near purchasing one. So I just got my old school big screen TV that you have to move on wheels. And it plays really well. Except for when the sunshine it has got a glare. But it's good. It's good. But when you're burdened like that, don't check your account. Do it. If that, let it be inconvenience to you. True compassion is inconvenience. True compassion is like this brother on his way. We don't know where. The Bible doesn't say because it's a story. So Jesus don't say he didn't like write the whole thing out and it became a national bestseller. He's like just, you know, hanging out, trying to tell this dude about himself. And he's just like, let me tell you this story real quick. And he makes it up on the fly. Right? So we don't know if this dude was going somewhere important or not. But he took the time to stop. He was clearly on his way. The good Samaritan, on his way someplace, saw this man and says, wherever I'm going is not important right now. This dude right here that's hurt, that he's important. Let me help you up, brother, and put you on my donkey. And then I'm going to take you somewhere. But first thing he did was took his expensive olive oil. And then he said, wine. I ain't going to waste no good wine on none of y'all. I'm not a good Samaritan. I'm just playing. He took his wine and healed the brother and took him in an inn and said, here, here's some money. Let him stay here. I'll be back. And if his bill goes higher, I'll take care of that too. True compassion inconveniences you. It means there's an interruption in your day-to-day. It's an interruption in your schedule. True compassion does that. And all of those who say they have compassion and have not been inconvenienced by your compassion, you just got, you know, you just want to feel good. If you haven't been inconvenienced by your compassion, then you still need a little work. True compassion inconveniences you. Second thing, true compassion costs. True compassion costs. Meaning you have to come out of pocket. This, this is one of those times we're not talking about time. Because I know some people are like, oh, yeah, I can spend a little time. No, 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 it costs a little money. It's one of those times where true compassion does require you to pull out your checkbook if you still use one. Or, or pull out your debit card or, or, or go on to your PayPal account or actually pull out cash for those who are on the Dave Ramsey program. True compassion calls you to spend some money. Somehow, some way. Whether it's a direct payment to somebody whether it's buying something for someone. As a matter of fact, I got a good way for you to spend some money today. We're still trying to do this backpack drive. It's about $900. Finance director, how far are we from that goal? Exactly. Laughter is the answer. Because we're that far. We're like negative close. It's a great way today to decide to be inconvenienced to whatever you go. If you were going to go out and eat today, go home. But give that money to these kids so they can have some books for their education. That's all we're asking. I'm not asking you all to put the money here. Put it here in the school, but don't put it here in the mosaic. Let's bless these kids. Because guess what? Their mama, their daddy can't afford it. They're dreading the fact that there are sales going on for supplies because they know they can't do anything about it. Sure, they may have made some poor decisions. We don't know that. We, sure, 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 they, they could have done something else with their money. We don't know what their story is, but there are people right now that cannot buy their kids supplies. Their kid, their parents who can't buy their kids uniforms. They're dreading the school season because they're going to send their kids back with the same uniform they had at the end of the school year last year, and they're going to walk around like this. 
high waters. And then claim it's the style. Real talk. There are going to be kids there borrowing paper from their, their, their friends because mom and daddy couldn't buy a 17-cent notebook. I'm just saying. Number three, true compassion, it changes lives. True compassion changes lives. You know what, what life changes first? You know whose life changes first, I should say? Yours. If you've never experienced true compassion where you've been inconvenienced and it caused you, try it. And I guarantee it. Listen, this is a money-back guarantee. I guarantee it'll, it'll change your life. It will jam you up. You won't be the same. True compassion changes lives. Yours first, but then the person that you've done that with. Let me read Luke 10 and 36 through 37. It says this. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus says, this is the change. Yes. Now go and do the same. Scripture doesn't tell us that the man took that wisdom or not. We don't know. But I know this. If you trump me like that, and I got an egg on my face after because I thought I was so wise because I'm a Pharisee, a Sadducee, or an uppity Jew. I think I might make a few changes because now I want to further prove you wrong. And I guarantee that if this man did such a thing, his life was indeed changed. Compassion. You can't care for somebody or do something good for somebody and not be changed. If you've never gone on a mission trip, I double dog dare you. You won't come back the same. You will not come back the same. There are people in this room right now that, that are doing incredible things over in Haiti. Incredible. Why? Because it's true compassion. There was something that happened in her spirit that she saw, and this is Miss Elsie I'm talking about, that she saw happening in her community over there in Haiti with the children, and she was burdened and saying, if I don't do something, nothing will be done. She took it on herself. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know where the volunteers are going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to feed these kids, but I'm burdened with this because these are my babies. She began to see them as if she birthed those children and gave all she could for these children in Haiti. And every year they have a fantastic camp, hundreds of kids fed and educated and having a great time. And just for that little point in their lives, they get to see what life could be like if we just had somebody that cared like Miss Elsie. How many of you have that same burden to do something that would impact somebody other than yourself? Final scripture and we're done. James, the brother of Jesus, whom we just spent some great time sharing with and learning about in his scriptures and his letters. James says this, James 1, 27. It says, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father, means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. This school that we're in right now we have a very high number of children that receive free or reduced lunch. 
I am directly connected with the parent liaison of this school. And every year these kids are short on uniforms. I mentor kids here. And I've seen some of the kids I mentor come and they got holes in their knees from the pants. And so I just do my best to find a uniform somewhere because, you know, midway through the season, they're not as, as available. So I find a uniform of some pants or something, get them some new pants. Or teachers that come out of pocket themselves. I, I got a bunch of teachers in this room right now that know that come out of pocket themselves because some kid did not show up with supplies, a pencil. They give out free pencils. Just go to any booth, and, 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 and an insurance agency uh, agents will give you a pencil anywhere, any concert, anywhere. They're giving out free pencils. These kids are showing up without a pencil, without a crayon, without a piece of paper. How in the heck can we expect them to learn? How can we secure our future if we don't prepare them and equip them? How? It's our responsibility to partner with their parents and supply their needs and equip them. I have witnesses in this room that know that. True religion is caring for widows and orphans in their time of distress. And right, distress, not distressed, but distress. And right now, there are parents distressed. Why? Because the school year has started, and they haven't bought a backpack, a book, a pen, a pencil, an eraser, a, a sticker, a nothing. Why? Because they don't have it. They got more month than money, and times are hard. But some of us can give a little bit. Some of us can give a lot. A lot of us look and say, man, I, you know, I don't have it. If you give a dollar, a dollar makes a difference. How do I know? Sam DeLeon called me last night. Man, I'm over here at Walmart. They got notebooks for 17 cents. A dollar. Let's see. Y'all do the math. Come on. How many notebooks we can, get, we, can we get for that? Enough. 17 cents? One dollar? Who in here doesn't have a spare dollar? The baby didn't even raise his hand. Come on now, we can do it. So today, when we take up our offering, when we take up our offering, think about those children. Now, I'm going to step out here. Brandon, please permit me to do this. We did it before last year, but I'm going to do it now. Everything we raise today is going to go toward that. We need it bad in our church. You know, rent's due like next week. Okay? But I'm trusting God that whatever we raise today is going directly to those kids. And I want to I raise all of it. Somebody in here has the capacity to help us reach $900 today. And when I say that, that doesn't necessarily mean your bank account, but you know somebody else who has a big old bank account. I want to do that today. Everything we raise is going toward them. Even though rent is due, we're going to trust God and give to these kids so they can have a great start. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.